there, precious kinklings. You're listening to Chaos for Kinky in the morning. Uh, enjoy traffic as we <laughs> soothe your ears with wonderful oh. sounds of kink and merriment. I am Eden, and this is your other host. Jen. We're your friendly oh, neighborhood. Echo, if you heard that in the background. <laughs> Echo's also in the room. We're your friendly neighborhood kinklings. Uh, kinksters. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> we're your friendly neighborhood kinksters, and today we're going to be talking about the top five toughest parts about being an S-type in 24-7 DS. Hello, and welcome to the Case for Kinky podcast. This podcast discusses adult topics, so if you are offended by adult topics or are under the age of 18, please stop listening now. Also, while Miss Jen is a therapist, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not to be taken as personal therapy for you. She is not your therapist. And if she is your therapist, just remember that what she says only technically counts in your private sessions. Did you have a list? Did you make a list? I did not make a list. Oh, God. I just thought I would improv it. Oh, no. I think it's going to go great. Okay. When have we ever done an episode where improving <laughs> didn't work? By the way, that's a joke because many that's of them have not worked. the ways. Many, many episodes have been harder to, to produce because we didn't edit them for, or we didn't uh, number them first. But I feel like I can kind of, you know, um, ad lib this and we'll just kind of see how it goes. Um, before we begin, uh, hi. Hello. Hi. Uh, oh, you weren't talking to me? No, I am talking to you. Hi. What's, well, everyone. To everyone, you and also the futuristic people who will listen to this after we've recorded it. Ooh. Because we don't people record. People of the future. Oh. We're time travelers <laughs> coming to you from the past. Okay. I don't know if we should be allowed to do openings anymore. Um, is that the cat playing with some shit? What? I hear sounds that sound well, like Yeah, crinkling. he's playing with a toy. He's not playing with shit. Okay, I didn't think he literally had shit. I thought he <laughs> I thought like, that's had what something. you were asking. Okay. At no point in time did I think that the cat literally had a piece of poop. I just... He... Echo is playing with, I think, one of the chipmunk toys. Okay, we have a crinkly chipmunk. It's really cute. It's like a little bag. It's a bag of chips. And then it's a chipmunk popping out. It's really adorable. I got it for them when they were kittens. And they were actually as big as the toy. So it wasn't really working. But now they've... Well, Echo's now... <laughs> Much bigger. Yes, than the toy. So... <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I think that's enough of an opening. You've gotten to know our personalities. We're great. Um, <laughs> no, no, this is a serious topic. Can you put your serious face on? Me? Put you, you're being too silly for this top five Me? video. Really? Okay. Um, this is a serious topic and I am going to take it seriously, hopefully, because apparently my tone is super goofy right now. Um, I think the reason I'm goofy about it is because... There's lots of great things about being in DS. I kind of, the, the, the point of this is to talk about the stuff that's a little bit tougher, but I do want to point out when DS works well, it's a really beautiful thing. And there is a huge comfort in DS. Um, it's sexy to me when it works well too. Like there's a sexual component that's always an undercurrent. Um, and there's a connection and there's a trust that gets developed in DS when you really believe in yourself and you're dominant from an S type perspective, you know, it's just a really great, amazing relationship style but boy, can DS go wrong quickly and boy, can it be hard to manage. And even when it goes right, there are parts of DS, in my opinion, that are constantly challenging. I don't think that you get to like level up out of the challenges of DS. I think they can get easier, but you always have to be accountable. And hopefully, if you have a growth mindset, you're always encountering new aspects that might be different levels of difficult. Right? Does that sound? Yeah. Sounds 
classy. It sounds correct. Yeah, especially since I didn't insert my you said ass joke. When did I say ass? It's part of another word. The hardest part about DS 24-7 right now is these puns. <laughs> That's number one. When your dominant uses puns as pun-ishment. <gasps> oh, my God. Did you see how I set that up and walked into that it? That wasn't new. It was it's new to me. New joke. I stumbled upon it, and so to my mind, I invented that. Can you just let okay. me have anything? Just let me just... Wow, I've never heard that before. That was an amazing pun. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. God, okay. So let's moving on after my amazing pun. Whew. Okay, so first of all, piece of advice. 24-7 is very cool. Um, it's really hardcore to get right into BDSM and just, just start and then to get into 24-7. And that's what I did. Um, and you don't really realize how hardcore it is until you do it and then you realize, oh, fuck um this is more complex than it sounded like it was gonna be um 24 7 is a bit different than part-time just want to clarify so part-time dynamics are also awesome um they can be long distance in there for their part-time they can only exist on the weekends you may or may not live with the person um i think a lot of a lot of polyam dynamics are part-time but many of them are full-time you can do it however you want um, I like part-time because it allows you to compartmentalize and there may be times when you can interact with that partner where you're not in a DS headspace and that's really cool. But when you do 24-7, the dynamic is always at play and you kind of put your life into a setting and a standard that never fully relaxes out of the DS. And I say never fully because in my personal experience, it's not healthy or really possible to be 100% in the highest level version of a DS headspace. It's just... Sometimes you just want to sit next to your partner, watch TV, and fart a little bit. Like, sometimes you just need that, you know, and you just don't want to be judged. <laughs> no judgments. Um, you know, and sometimes you're, like, I, I mean, our the way we sound on the podcast and in general, like, we have a very casual way of speaking to each other and very playful. And I think most of that is symptomatic of healthy behavior. I think some of it will adjust a little bit and become a little tighter as we continue to grow our DS, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's blend is different. But part of 24-7 DS right off the bat that I would say is that you have to find a balance that works for you where you feel your dynamic is always in play, but you're not under constant pressure to perform. Because if you're going to be living with somebody in a 24-7, which is a type of 24-7, it can become exhausting. There is a need to just be kind of a regular person. And that's possible in 24-7. I just don't know that a lot of people who haven't experienced it realize that, you know. So the hard part is you don't want to err so much on the side of being regular and casual that you lose your DS. And that is the conundrum when you have a 24-7 live-in DS partner, especially if you decide to throw a curveball like children into the mix. Because suddenly your DS can't be visible to these children, and so it's almost like it turns on and off, but it's not technically part-time, but you're not getting some of the benefits of having it be overt. So there's Is a lot... Is this the first one of your list, by the way? Um, no, it's more so just oh. me explaining. Well, I'm explaining the state of what RDS looks like and what 24-7 mm. power exchange when you're in a live-in can look like and why it is hard. Um, but it's not, that's none of that is specific to S types. I think that's just hard in general. Any person engaging in 24-7 DS that's living is probably going to experience these pieces. And the biggest part, like I said, that's hard is that balancing act of like how much casual, relaxed, goofy behavior is okay and how much DS do we need and how much protocol do we need to maintain our headspace 
you know what I mean? Like you have to find mm-hmm. that. And I think it's different for every person and every pair. I think it's different or every mm-hmm. thruple or whatever your system looks like, whatever your structure of people looks like. But I'm going to go ahead and autobiographically now narrate the top five hardest things for me as an S-type in 24-7. Okay. Coming in at number five. At number five. <laughs> I'll put number five, considering it's like the lowest, the least irritating and most silly thing that is frustrating. It's having to do things you don't want to do because somebody else told you to. It's that child reaction of you're playing a video game and your mom tells you stop and go clean up your room and you just don't want to. It's that Meh. level. It is that exact sound. Can you do that again for the audience? Meh. It's that exact feeling, that exact <laughs> level of what happens in DS. And I think I, I've met some S-types who are newer or who are hesitant to be in DS for this very reason of like, oh, I already anticipate I'm going to be mehing a lot. <laughs> and it's real. It's a real thing. I don't want to act like I'm somehow above being meh, you know, like at all. I'm not. There are definitely days where I just don't want to do the thing. And it's really hard to maintain a headspace of service 24-7. Sometimes you just want to sit down and color in your book and listen to SpongeBob SquarePants without being interrupted. Um, Oh my gosh, just let me have my choice, (laughs) my small things. But yeah, that's the first thing. Coming in at number five would be the reality that when you live with your dominant and you're always around your dominant, you're always accountable to them. And they technically have a right unless... Your relationship is different than mine, which is maybe it is. But my dominant has the right to ask me at any point, any time to do a task. Um, I hope she's aware of me enough to know like when I'm chilling or stuff like that. But this has been a point of contention because there are times in the evening when I kind of want to be done with my day and that includes tasks. Or there are times in the morning when I'm not ready to start yet and it can be very challenging. And that's some of that's communication. Some of it is accommodation. And some of it is actually me just having to tough through the meh. I would say 90% of my job as the S-type is when I encounter that meh feeling to just push through. But that is hard. That's a challenge. That's the first. That's number five. Okay. <clears throat> Why do we pick five? Why don't we just pick three? Dear God. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Do it. I can do this. Coming in at number four. <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> That was a turtle having sex. That wasn't even a no, thing. No, I'm sorry. A turtle having sex is this. <laughs> they squeak you. By the way, if you That's haven't true. seen a Google turtle's. It. So don't look up turtles having sex. Look up turtle loves croc. And they were. this was all across. This is not um, about a crocodile. It's about croc shoes. No, croc shoe. And like for some reason it was on YouTube. I don't remember if like one of the kids showed us this or like how I. It's ca- probably me. Sorry. Oh, God. It's one of those weird YouTube videos that comes up and like you hear the sound that the turtle makes and it just makes sound it's, it's like adorable it's adorable and also kind of <laughs> disturbing but well it's fucking a shoe i'm sorry that we're advocating to look this up actually maybe don't i think <laughs> definitely look it up <laughs> the turtle's confused he thinks the shoe He's is another so turtle cute. well it's a croc so there's holes in it and <laughs> i have the number four though okay number four Thank above God. number five that can be more challenging is understanding not only your dominance expectation of you and striving to meet that but understanding your expectation of yourself. I know that this is a weird way of phrasing this, but something that I've been processing recently is that I have an ideal in my head of how a good submissive would do something. And I am not fully, until recently, I have not fully given myself permission to examine and interact with that ideal. But I've realized that there are times when I am unreasonably frustrated with myself and almost on the verge of self-punishing for something that my dominant is not even upset about. So an example of this, I have not been able to keep up with the housework lately and it has nothing to do with my devotion to my dominant, nothing to do with my willingness to do it, nothing to do with my ability in terms of like learned 
skill, I don't have time. I am doing so much other labor for us and for her and for myself, but mostly for us and her. I can't do everything that, that I, was, I was once supposed to do. I don't have the ability in terms of time to always keep up with the housework specifically. My dominant is not, not only is she not upset with me, she's like, you need to settle down because it's unreasonable for you to be able to handle all of this. Like, it's not within your time frame. Time is finite and sleep is important. Yeah. Like, she understands that I'm hard at work and therefore isn't upset with me. But I still, even in this moment, am really disappointed in myself that I can't also do that. And I realized that part of my internal expectation for myself as a submissive and for the archetype of submissive is keeping the house clean. I don't even know for sure where this archetype has come from, but I don't understand it. I don't necessarily expect this even of other submissives. I I try not to treat other submissives as if I have expectations of them, but I suppose I hold myself to this standard that I wasn't even acknowledging until recently. So to me, number four is dealing with your own set of standards for us types and how you think you should be and being able to process what you can and can't do. They're different. And it doesn't mean that you're automatically bad because you can't meet a goal. It means that maybe there's something stopping you. Well, in this case, I'm fucking busy. (laughs) But um, just just learning how to know the difference between what your dominant wants from you and what you want from you and being able to understand that your job is really to please your dominant. Um, But yeah, I think that that, that's... And not punishing yourself because that's your dominant's job. Yeah. But I would say like there is a certain guilt level that comes from me um, that comes from inside. Uh, and that's what come in at number four for me is processing that and having to encounter that. Cause there's no other time in my life that I, well, it's not really true. I'm a perfectionist to a degree with certain things, but, um, it's hard when you set yourself on a reasonable standard, you're never going to be proud of yourself and no one else can give that to you. So that's, that can be a struggle when you don't realize you're holding yourself to unreasonable standards. Coming in at number three, that's my best Casey Kasem. I think it was great. It was beautiful. <laughs> Um, number three for me is actually, it's, it's not super horrible, but it's something that can be hard and a unique challenge when you live with your partner day to day. Um, there is a benefit and a beauty when you live with your partner 24 seven and you're in DS because you get to see them as a whole person because you see everything. You know, I see her when she wakes up, when she goes to bed, I see her at, at her best. I see her at her cutest and most sleepy, like, or worst. No, I didn't say worst and I didn't say for a reason. I don't, I don't think that's how it is, but I, I do see the full makeup, range. No makeup. <laughs> I see the full range of who she is. And, um, you know, we share pretty much everything. We share our thoughts. We share a lot of stuff, you know, um, we don't really share our bathroom time. We try to keep that boundary up. But Please. the point is, Oy. the point is <laughs> when you see that much of a person, the benefit of that is that you see them as a whole person and they also are, are a partner to you in that respect. But also, it can be a little bit of a struggle to retain or to regain the sense of this is my dominant. There is a lack of distance that occurs that can actually kind of erode the hierarchical nature of your relationship when you share everything in, in an almost egalitarian mindset in many respects and then suddenly have to remember, oh, but this is also my dominant. And that is Again, when you do it well and you balance it well, it's a beautiful thing. But I, ha- I find myself sometimes struggling to remember you're not my partner first, you're my dominant first. And this may be different for you, you know, you the listener. This might be different for each relationship. But for us, it's kind of almost a 50-50 blend. Um, 
except sometimes it feels more like an 80-20 blend on like times when our power exchange has been weaker. And I think our personal goal would be more like a 60-40, 60 being the power exchange piece and 40 being the egalitarian sort of partnership piece. Um, it's just a challenge, and I also fucking love her. So it, it's not a challenge that I love her so much, but <laughs> trying to figure out as a I'm submissive, <laughs> yeah, as a submissive, holding yourself accountable to where is my headspace at? What what's going on for me? Do I you know how do I make sure that I'm feeding into my dynamic, not just my partnership? How do I make sure that I'm respecting my dominant in a way where she feels like the dominant? And that's that's challenging, and that kind of leads me into. My last two pieces, uh, four and five, which are the hardest ones for me. They are the heaviest ones for me, for sure. Coming in at number two. Oh, yeah. Number two, not four and five. Oops. <laughs> We're going backwards. <laughs> five to one. Number two for me would be tone. Um, this is really challenging for me. And I imagine it's probably very challenging for other S-types. Because for me personally, I have a tone. I don't know all the time that I have one. But the way that I talk is very um, assertive, very clear. When I'm arguing, I have no problem defending myself. Um, I, I have a very concise and matter-of-fact way of speaking in general. And it's not always coming across to my dominant as respectful. Um, and there are times when I legitimately don't have any motivation outside of communicating clearly. Communicating clearly. What a weird way to say communicating <laughs> clearly. Fuck me. Um, I'm trying to communicate clearly. But what it comes out as, for some reason, is not good. And I don't know that until she gives me the feedback. And it's baffling to me because I don't understand what it was that I did or didn't do. But generally speaking, one of my consistent things that I struggle with the most is understanding how my tone comes across in my phrasing and how my phrasing and my tone impacts the way my dominant feels and her dominance and impacts our dynamic and also how it sounds to others. And that's something that really is actually... I don't know why this isn't number, maybe this should be number five, but I don't fucking know, maybe a secret number, a secret number zero. I'll just throw it in here, but like there is this other piece of whether, even though it shouldn't really matter, especially maybe because we're in the public eye, but like you don't ever want to shame your dominant or shame yourself in public. So there have been times when if I had said something to her in private, like a certain tone, she wouldn't have blinked at it because she understands me. But there have been times when like I publicly said something that, I later was like mortified over because I wondered if people, you know, would think badly about it. You know, you care about how other people perceive your dominant. You care about the fact that if you mess up, it shows bad on your dominant. And while your dominant might not perceive something as disrespectful, another person looking in might. And that still in a way is a judgment upon your dynamic and your dominant. So like, there's this extra pressure for me when I'm in public to really try to be careful about my tone. And if I fail to do that or I accidentally make a mistake and there's some sort of reaction that cues to me I I fucked up it's devastating you know a recent example of this that really sucks but I I feel like I feel like sharing it because it's a very specific s-type problem we were on stage and we were doing a raffle and um I am very unlucky or rather maybe (laughs) very lucky depending on if you're the person whose ticket I pull because I tend to pull the same ticket multiple times well not the same ticket but the same person holding the ticket yeah I don't know why I just have a knack for picking that same person over and over again I don't like to pull raffle raffle tickets generally speaking because it turns out the audience hates you when you pull (laughs) the same person three or four times and it's literally happened three or four times before So on this particular evening, I was not doing very good emotionally. That sometimes happens when we work a party. It's not related to the party. Just sometimes it's hard to go to work. And it's really hard if you're introverted, as I am, and you're not feeling it, but you have to go be social with 150 people. That's hard. (laughs) 
Well, so 150. <laughs> no, like 90 people, whatever. It feels like a thousand people. So give me, <laughs> cut me some slack. Yeah. But in this case, um, I was asked to come up on stage to hold the ticket bowl and to pull the tickets. And my dominant knows that I don't like pulling tickets. And she understands that I was socially having a hard night that night. I pulled a ticket and it was fine. I pulled the second one and it was a copy. It was not a copy. It was it was the same person. And at that point, Michelle's like, okay, pull another one. And I, I said no. And I was near to tears. And I said, you pull one. But I said it, I thought, quietly enough. And it wasn't meant to be demanding. It was meant to – it was more like pleading. I was trying not to cry. And – Miss Jen was fine. I found this out later, though. I didn't know at the time Miss Jen was fine because she was on stage. And we, when you're on stage, the show must go on. You don't stop on stage. So what I perceived was my dominant having perfect stage presence while I said, no, you pull one. And then the audience ooed. And there was a large crowd reaction to what I said. And then someone shouted from the audience, who's the dominant in that relationship? It was totally a joke. The audience was goofing around. I was absolutely devastated. I got myself through being on stage because the show must go on. I waited until I could politely leave. I took the ticket bowl. I went back stage. I went, you know, into the back room and I cried because I thought that I had humiliated my dominant. And I felt humiliated because I had never imagined that what I said was inappropriate. I was very uncomfortable and basically begging my dominant, please don't make me pull this again. I can't handle this. My dominant found me backstage like 20 minutes later and was like, saw me in tears and was like horrified. Like, who did it? Well, you know, first I had just had no idea where you were. Like, I was just looking for you. Yeah, I'm not supposed to do that. But I was just <laughs> trying to remove myself as quickly as possible. And I also didn't want to cause a scene. I didn't want anyone to know I was crying. Um, but she immediately told me. I what do you t-? first of all, she didn't know what I was talking about. And then when I told her what I was referencing, you know, through sobs, she was like, Oh, I didn't even take it that way. I had no idea. I'm fine. She didn't even fine. <laughs> she might not have been aware of what the audience did. Like yeah. she was not bothered. Her dominance was not challenged. Even if she was aware of what the audience did, she didn't give a shit because she knows she's the dominant. But I thought I had fucked up, and I was beyond the point of self punishment. I was just, I was so so sick with worry, and just I felt very ashamed. And the reason I share the story as sad as it is is because for many S types you really, really want to make your dominant proud. And it is, it's mortifying to mess up in public. Um, And there's a lot of pressure, I guess, on myself, you know, and I'm also aware that my tone comes across wrong sometimes. So number, number two on my list of the hardest parts about being an S type in DS is the reality that there is a lens on you, no matter where you go, where people are balancing, weighing, and judging how you are in your power dynamic. And there are certain things that even if at home they are okay, they would come across as disrespectful to the general public. And so there is a level of always having to be hyper-vigilantly aware of what you say, how you say it, and how you're behaving both at home and in public. And um, that's hard. And I hope to continue to work on my tone, but it's not always easy. Um, and it's hard to let yourself down or let your dominant down with things like that. So that's sad. Coming in at number uno. Yeah, the absolute hardest part about being an S-type in 24-7 for me is actually during arguments. And we would like to decrease our arguments, and we're doing a lot better. Um, we've been improving steadily with you know hiccups here and there, but I, I feel like we are growing. But part of being in a dynamic is learning to halt when your dominant calls a halt and also respecting certain types of decisions, even if they go against what you want. And 
That is the hardest part. It's the hardest thing in the world to be in an argument with somebody where you might genuinely feel like you're being treated disrespectfully or you're being talked over in that moment. And then they could tell you to stop talking. And your job is to stop. Your job is to listen to a halt, to walk away. And you also know you might not get recourse. Like hopefully your dominant is kind enough and reasonable enough that they will like listen to you, hear you, and like be empathetic towards you. But it's not a guarantee because they know they have a right to make a decision that they want to make. And you might end up um, in a situation where your self-advocacy comes head to head with respecting your dominant. It should never come down to that, but it can feel very much like that's what's going on. And even if that isn't what's going on and it's not that extreme and you're just in the heat of the moment, have you ever tried being at the absolute peak of a moment where you're in the heat of, a, of, a, of an argument or in the, in the peak of what you're saying and then someone says stop? It is easily one of the most challenging things I've ever faced. As an external processor who historically in my past always tried to solve problems in that moment to not be able to communicate and to also have to just suddenly pause is unbelievably challenging um so to me that's a number one thing it's also something that I'm working on really hard and I feel like part of being in DS and BDSM and one of the 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 allures of DS when it functions is that you can handle arguments and things that don't go well by creating systems that you both honor and by creating codes of conduct that just simplify arguments and make things more straightforward. But in the middle, like in, in the in-between of, of that and underneath all of that is the human reality of extreme emotion, of extreme fear, of possible loss, of alienation. Like there's all these things that can happen to you when you're in a moment and to be able to cleave to what your role is and not whatever's in your head that's happening is very challenging. Well, and to remember that it's not a halt doesn't mean that the conversation is over eventually, right? I just don't want people to think that if I call a halt, it means we never talk about it again. <laughs> no, you know, but it's it's just very like, it's just hard to be cut off in the middle, you know? And... um yeah, I would say that those are the top five hardest pieces for me about being in DS. Say um, that again into your mic. Those are the top five hardest things for me about being in DS. And none of them are enough to deter me from being in DS. I think it just comes with the job description of being an S-type or a submissive to somebody. There is a certain amount of power that you give up for the purposes of feeling safe. Like... The way that I that I tend to think about it when I when I sit with these challenges and some of these fears, you know, is that if I was on a boat and there was a captain and the captain's job is to get us from point A to point B safely, and also the captain has a lot more experience and has earned their position. And in my case, my dominant has earned her position. I didn't just pick somebody off the street to be my dominant. <laughs> My dominant has been in the scene for over 10 years. She's an educator. She's not a perfect person. She has things she's working on and learning, but she's older than me with a lot of life experience. And um, I believe she demonstrates wisdom in many cases. Like my dominant deserves to be in her position, not least because I have elevated her there above myself, but because I feel like the work she does validates her position. So... 
if that is the case and that's the captain of the ship and you are signing on board to be on this ship and you want to get from point A to point B and you want to, you know, be protected by this captain and get there alive, you have to be willing to follow the calls of that captain, even at times when you don't understand those calls or you might disagree with them because nobody is perfect. But if you question every call, which is this is really challenging, but like if you question a captain's call once, maybe you'll be right that time. But if you do it all the time, the captain no longer has the ability to make calls. You take away the power from that captain and you're going to sink your fucking boat. Walk the plank. <laughs> Walk the plank. <laughs> that was my that was my best pirate. I, this is why I'm not in theater. Walk the plank, sir. That's not pirate. That's like that's like mobster. I don't know what that is. Arg. Arg. The point is, like, the value of a soldier or the value of a subordinate in a situation where you are following orders is the loyalty to the person giving the orders. And there are so many cases where the person giving the orders inevitably makes a wrong call but typically the reason that that person's respected is because 99 percent of the time they make the right call you know so it's just really it's a different way of looking at things and after having spent my entire life making my own calls for myself generally speaking many of which have been the right call like i came into the bdsm scene right call (laughs) got a divorce right call got married wrong call (laughs) but like (laughs) I'm going to go backwards. Like, I think after a lifetime of being absolutely fatigued by making choices and not always knowing what the right one is and also making certain life decisions for myself under duress, I wanted to be in a situation where I didn't have to make large choices alone and where I had somebody to defer to who could protect me. I wanted that peace there. And that is what my dominant offers me. I get protection and security, but I have to give up certain traits and qualities I've spent a lifetime building to protect myself trusting that she will take up those traits and use them fairly that is very hard trust is an issue like i have issues with trust that are not necessarily related to my dominant like i think most people have issues in some way with trust but when you do ds in a 24 7 trust becomes the most important thing and it's when trust is shaky that ds i feel suffers and struggles what do you think about the list miss jen (laughs) oh um I mean, I think all good points and... Did I do them in the right order? Like, did they sound like they were getting increasingly harder? Because I was trying to be like, least hard to most hard. I was trying. <laughs> That's what she said. Um, I'm just thinking, I, I, I don't want to tell you what I'm seeing, but it's... <laughs> anyways. Line up. Okay. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say, dang it. Um... Well, and I think even if the order is a little off, like, who cares? Like, that's not ultimately the most important part. Even if it was, here's just a list. My OCD says otherwise. Oh, my God. Okay. The list is the list, and it's okay. And whatever order, whatever, it's fine. But I think it's it's a good list. And I think it's basically, I think you did a good job of what order it was in. I just want to say, when we do the top five hardest parts for a dominant, I don't want them to be all of the things that I suck at. But in reverse, like, it's really hard when your S-type just does not listen to you when you call a halt. Like, that cannot be your no, hard list. No, I've already started my list because okay, I'm going to have good. notes. Because... As long as it's not just a whole list of continuing to bag on me, then we're good. No, I, I already, just bagged it myself. I, I made notes for when we do that recording and I already have three so I just have to come up with two more it's actually hard to come up with five like once you start thinking about it you can break them down but honestly for me like a lot of my core struggles are kind of related to like only a couple of things like trust is one self-control over speech is another 
And I mean, I would categor- I would lump like my tone and phrasing and my ability to halt all under self control of speech. Really, like that's the biggest thing. And then, like, I guess the well, meh. I would put I would put all of that under your fear of loss of autonomy and voice. Yeah, which is like, let's just dig a little deeper. No, it's good. I love that because that actually really is like to me, biggest fear in life is loss of autonomy and voice. Yeah. And to go into a dynamic where the deliberate point is to surrender aspects of that as long as it's consensual and safe is a big deal. But like I one of the things I was processing recently is that a lot of the power dynamics that I had modeled for me when I was younger were absolutely toxic. Like an example of this is my I won't name obviously like which family members, but I had a pair of adults in my family who were relatives of mine. One was related and one was the partner of my relative and the man was in charge of the relationship and the woman was subservient in a very intense degree that was literally defined by their religion. Like the woman serves the man. That was the structure. And I witnessed him scolding her on numerous occasions, like a small child this woman that bathed, clothed, and fed us, that that sang me songs every night and made sure that I was physically safe and emotionally well, who stepped in as my parent, was treated and demeaned by the partner on numerous occasions in front of not only me, but all of the children. Like, I watched abuse of power in that respect. I don't know if they themselves agree it was an abuse of power, but what I witnessed was toxic for me. I, I thought that there's no way that my my aunt deserved to be treated that way. And that was it. one of my first, well, it's close. I said a man and a woman who are my relatives. So it's like distant cousins, my distant third cousins. <laughs> the point is, there's no way that the, the, the woman in that relationship deserved to be treated that way, whether or not she consented to that because of the religious pressures on that family. Um, that was one of my first examples of a clear power dynamic. You know, I've, I've seen power struggle my whole life with my own parents in their own way. And society shows us some pretty toxic power imbalances. You know, I have a reason to fear loss of voice. Um, and it's hard, even in the case of us, like, it's hard to build that trust. We've had some shaky things. We've made mistakes when it comes to speaking and communication. We're doing better and we're both working on the problem at this point. But it takes a, a lot. It takes a lot of trust and, like, habit to build up the ability to have such good communication that you no longer have to fear that your voice is going to be lost, you know, and that's, that's part of the challenge, I think. Yeah. It's interesting because it's the fear. So fear, your fear of loss of voice and loss of autonomy. It's interesting in the sense that so many S types, that's exactly kind of what they're looking for in terms of not, let me hear me out. <laughs> I know I'm taking you at Be- your I'm taking you at your best self and at your best intention, not your worst. Yeah. And I hope the listeners are too. Being able like a lot of S types are like, I want to be able to not make decisions. I want to be able to, you know, not have to worry about things. I want to be able to let go of day to day stuff, you know, whatever it might be. And so you know, not having to deal with things or figure stuff out on their own or um, to just be able to hand all that over, right? Like for a lot of S-types, that is what they look for. And 
so it's just interesting you know i think that's why it makes it's very clear having fear around those things of course it would make your list of what's most difficult your list well and you know it's interesting when you say this because i think you're onto something and also off of something i think you're at the absolute core of almost like two opposing fish constantly circling each other or like an ouroboros you're in an or you're in the s type ouroboros like line of fire right now when you're talking about this because one the fantasy of ds often is i just don't want to have to make these decisions i just don't want to have to do this anymore i just want someone else to take care of me i just want someone else to do this i want to be able to trust somebody else to be able to carry me and hold me when i need the most i just want to be of service i just want someone to tell me what to do so i can do it right and i know for me there have been times and you've seen me at times in our dynamic where i'm just like i can't operate today i can't function i need you to be in charge and there is this this desperation of just please let somebody who loves me actually fucking care for me when I'm not able to care for myself. Please let me have times in my life where I don't have to take care of myself when I don't want to. You know, and like that, that's the piece that like for me, like that's the fantasy piece. There's these deep desires to just not have to anymore, even though I've become adept at it and I've learned the, that skill. But that's the fantasy. And the Ouroboros piece is the reality of also having to operate in the world as a person. Also enjoying certain aspects of autonomy. Wanting to hand over your autonomy or your decision making sometimes, but discovering in actual practice, not all the time. And that's the reality that I think a lot of S-types really struggle because there is an all or nothing in people's minds of if I become an S-type in a 24-7 DS, do I lose everything to get the fantasy? Am I willing to give up, in many people's minds, their personhood to attain the fantasy? And one of the things that I talk about a lot with S-types in my support group, the S-word, plug. plug, but one of the things we talk about is you don't have to lose your voice or your autonomy to be an S-type. And you can be in a 24-7 total power exchange or close to total power exchange if you wished for it. And it wouldn't happen overnight, number one. You would grow into that, hopefully, right? It wouldn't happen by force. But two, it would happen in a way where it did actually feel safe and consensual for you. And I think that there is a realistic fear that many S-types have of, I want this fantasy, but how do I have it in reality without losing control and losing my whole self? You know, and for me, spending my lifetime taking care of myself, preserving myself, honing my voice, and finding so much value in my ability to make decisions, I don't want to lose the choices that I can make. I never wanted DS personally because I never wanted to make decisions or I never wanted to have control. I just know enough about myself to understand that I'm not somebody who needs to be in control. I might want it a lot, but usually for unhealthy reasons. And I might make good decisions sometimes, but I'd be much happier following somebody else who makes better decisions more times. And I know enough about myself to know what I don't know. And I know enough about myself to know that with my level of anxiety, it's better for me to be paired with somebody who is calmer and more rational more of the time. And that's, that's a decision I can logically make about myself. And to me, like, I don't know if this is because I'm a switch or because I am an enigma or I don't know how many other S-types this resonates with. But in a way, I'm still in control of my life. And I might even be approaching my life the way a dominant approaches theirs. And part of my decision is understanding who to defer to. I'm not a submissive for everybody, but I am yours. 
I am your submissive. I have identified a person in my Everybody, life. She's talking to me. Yeah. To Miss Jen, <laughs> to be clear. I am definitely talking to Miss Jen and not the general you of the audience right now. Jesus. Thank you, Miss Jen. You're welcome. I appreciate that clarification in case people are like lighting up the door. Hey. Like I have some tasks to take for you to take care of. I know there are many S types out there who are actually very happy to serve generally speaking. And I, I do enjoy serving the general public in certain settings but so I do don't. I. Yeah. All I, my events, everything I see that as service. I mm-hmm. have the need for submission from only specific people who I identify as dominant to my energy. And I actually think that is true of most S types. Most of us are searching for dominance that matches our submission. Some people bring that out of me, but not very many. And I'm very confident and comfortable not being submissive with most people. So it's a very interesting experience. It's interesting to have that Ouroboros of I want to give up control and I have to keep control. And constantly going around and around going, how much control can I lose before I'm unsafe? And I think the solution to the Ouroboros, not the end of the Ouroboros, but the best way for that Ouroboros. I really like that word. I really do. A lot. (laughs) I do. I said it a lot. That's what it's called. I know. It's just funny. The solution to that (laughs) is understanding and growing to exchange power in a way however gradual it might need to be for me apparently it's quite gradual but exchanging that power with a person who you begin to trust will act in your own best interest so that you no longer have to you don't have to carry a sword anymore because there's somebody standing in front of you who's picked it up and for me that's what I want for my power exchange is being able to trust my dominant to such an extent that I get to a place where I believe that in pretty much 99% of the cases, not just against other people, but even when we're having arguments or we're having disagreements, she is always thinking to herself, how do I protect her or them, whichever pronoun is being used for me? How do I protect my submissive? What is their best interest? What is our best interest? You know, and that's, um, that's a beautiful thing. I think that that can happen in DS. I think it's what needs to happen in a 24-7 for it to be fully ethical and safe. And I think that people's fear of not reaching that point is why many S-types struggle to give up control to a degree. Well, I think, too, if S-types who come from any history of trauma or past toxic or abusive relationships, it can also be an added uh, hurdle. All I'm saying is... I think that when you add to that anyone who has had a history of abuse or toxic relationships or trauma, et cetera, et cetera, anything that creates more of a difficulty to trust anyone, it's going to translate into your power exchange. Yeah. And what's really like devastating about it is that most, I know for me at least, like when you have been in situations where you have learned that caretakers or adults or people who are in power over you are not there for you. When you have a history of knowing for sure that they didn't show up and you go into DS wanting to correct that harm, which is for me part of the reason that I think I find older women so attractive, besides the fact that they're objectively just hot, but you know, whatever. Um, But the sad part is you might be mentally going to solve the problem by recreating a situation where there are more factors that are better for you. But because of that problem, you may have more trouble than most getting what you want. You know, I really want to feel like I have a parental and like adult figure in my life who is also my partner, you know, like one does. I have a desire to have the power figure in my life, not leave, always be there, 
still love me and want me around. I want to be cherished and also bettered. I want, if I need a punishment, I want my mom to be there to give that because I didn't get that as a kid. I want boundaries and I want to feel safe and to know that no matter what, even in hard times, I am still valued and loved. I want that because of my issues with my past. I am guaranteed to have the hardest time believing that that will be there. You know, listening to the toughest parts for you in your list, you know, one thing that I, I want to point out is, you know, the first step towards growth, towards change, towards whatever is recognition, <laughs> right? And we're both doing doing our own work on recognizing things that we are working on that we want to grow as well as things with our dynamic specifically like together um so i think you know being able to look at these things being able to recognize that there's aspects that are difficult and being able to discuss those things right whether it's you know combination of discussing them with your partner uh, with your dominant with your submissive with a mentor with a therapist whatever it might be these are all things that can be worked on that you can find growth from and what's so powerful I think about power exchange and the, the the dynamics that we do is that opportunity for self-growth. You know, I'm thinking about in in the vanilla world, vanilla relationships, you know, power struggles all the time. And so many people, and if you can relate to this, just think about it. You come out of a breakup or a divorce or whatever, and you're like, I don't even know who I am. I lost myself in this relationship. I never worked on myself. I just kind of went along with what my partner wanted to do. I never... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I'm just saying like six years later, you're sitting there going like, oh, this is my life? Yeah, and it almost feels stagnant, right? Like I, there, I'm the same person I was when I started this relationship and I'm actually kind of less of me because I've glommed on to, you know, these things as a partner um, that were about my, my, my other person and not so much about what I wanted. Um, that is one of the things that I love about these dynamics is it takes, well, for healthy ones, it takes. How just for ours? Just talk about our it takes a lot of. Well, no, I'm, I I want to globalize this, but it takes a lot of communication, but it also takes to be able to have that communication. It takes a lot of introspection. It takes a lot of looking inside and working on yourself but also having conversations about things like boundaries or limits right we talk about these things all the time and it's stuff that a lot of vanilla relationships it's not even a thing it's not even a topic um I I love how in our relationship we we promote each other's growth and exploration, right? And I'm, I'm, I am thinking too, not just about our power exchange, but also about our poly journey. Um, but like we've really been working hard at supporting each other's growth. Because honestly, I feel like that's your best bet in growing in a way that you grow together in the sense of 
rather than, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to stunt your growth by trying to keep you in this little box. Well, that's that... like the dark, evil shadow <laughs> version of growing together is like, I'm going to make sure no yeah. one grows. If you don't change and I don't change, then we can just not change together and everything stays the same forever and ever. Like that's, ugh. I'm pretty sure you just described my my past marriage. Um, okay. Well, I didn't mean to, but I see it a very lot. personal I, attack. I see it a lot. It's not just you. Like... And I think that happens a lot and it's scary, right? It's scary to, to I'm going to say this in big quotes, quote unquote, allow your person, your partner to grow because there's a fear of they will grow apart. They will grow away. But a phrase just came to my mind. You just like let me right to being able to say it too, which is Sweet. I'd rather lose you than lose myself. And I'd rather you lose me than you lose yourself. And like that thought of like, I love you so much. I'd be willing to lose you if it meant that you were more of you. And like, I don't want to lose you. And I don't think about it from a stance of loss when we approach Polly or when we approach like our growth. I just have already been in a relationship where the end result was the same. I did lose that person. We did lose each other. And also, I lost everything about who I was. I was no longer myself. I was the darkest, bitterest version of who I was. And so was my ex. How's this? I would rather lose the best version of you than be with the the worst version of us. Yeah, that's that's like the most beautiful way. Trademark. Okay, it's for kinky. You heard it here. Said by me. (laughs) Miss Jen. MJ. Um, but no, it's true. Like, and what's beautiful is like, if you look at a long-term relationship and you look at like 24-7 DS, it should be changing and growing. The beauty is not being in love with the same person for 50 or 60 years, which is at least how long I want to be with you, baby. Um, that was to her, her you, not to you, general you. Now I feel like we have to always frame that for the audience. Um, but it's about being in love with their growth and their journey. Because they're going to go on one. Like, so are you. And it's going to be scary. Like, I'm not going to say, like, and don't be scared of that. It's going to be scary. And you can also work through the fear. And, you know, we've we've done that, right? There's yeah. been stuff that's come up that it's like, okay, this is scary. And I'm afraid of this, like, coming between us or whatever. And, but again, it's walking seeing that fear recognizing it and still marching forward is worth it yeah so to relate this all back to the very beginning again we're talking about the top five hardest parts about 24 7 ds for an s type or for quote unquote this s type right here the yes, Eden. this is very personalized yeah <laughs> you might Eden. have your own top five hardest parts but um I think the best part is knowing that the reason I can tell you what these hardest parts are is because we have done so much work I can actually name and hold on to the core parts of me that are actively healing. And I know what they are and I know how to help heal them. I know how to to make this get better and better and better. And if you are not doing that work, you might not even be able to list your top five hardest parts. You might just be like, it's all hard or, you know, like. Well, that's why I say the recognition is the first step. Yeah, yeah. And so, Uncovering them. Yeah, so. In any case, we hope this was useful. Um, One of my biggest hopes whenever we share this personal kind of stuff about our dynamic and like digging this deep, y'all, is not necessarily easy or fun. But I feel it's important because I really believe that a lot of other S-types share similar struggles. And I think there's a lot of shame 
that comes with that that just doesn't need to be there. That shame stops us from communicating, understanding sometimes a universality of these these issues. And it can stop us from getting better and growing, you know? So I would rather stand here and spill my guts and, you know, have five people who are listening be like, oh shit, that's exactly what I'm experiencing. Somebody else gets this. Maybe there is a way forward. Like I'd rather do that than completely conceal from the general population how fucking hard this can be but also how beautiful it is and how proud I am of the growth that I've had of the growth that my dominant has had and of of the way that we are evolving so fucking proud um 24-7 DS is such a trip such a journey if you're on it congratulations if you don't want anything to do with it congratulations to you too (laughs) like you do you As long as you do you in the healthiest way possible and you are pursuing your highest self and, and happiness, you're rocking it. That is our message to you today from KS for Kinky. Stay tuned for the partner to this episode, top five hardest parts about DS for the D side of the slash, the D. dom, the dom side. Um, as you heard, Ms. Jen is already currently working on her list. Unlike me, she will not be ad-libbing. She will I be just it. planning it out. Oh, my God. She already has it. So uh, we're probably going <laughs> to drop that episode and not next time, but the time after that. So keep keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, and uh, let's let's chat out the comedy right. kinklings. All right. Allie and Pudding. Pudding and Allie. <laughs> Or call me kinkling. No. Yes. Yes. Okay. What I wasn't is happening? Sure. I don't know. I, just I don't know why I never phrase. remember. I know. In front of your ears. <laughs> Thank you for your support. Thank you. Thank so you so much. much. Um, and of course, we have to thank our team because our team is amazing. We get to thank our team because we get to have a team. We have Lena, Sid, and Tussled. Y'all are angels. Just you, you, you lift me up. Um, they helped build our website, our Discord. They helped to manage our Discord. Um, I'm kind of lumping all of their accomplishments onto all of them, but they all uniquely contribute to this brand. Uh, we appreciate y'all. And until next time, uh, keep it kinky. And remember, <laughs> it's easier than you kink. That's oh! old. That's our old tagline. That's our old YouTube tagline. <laughs> Go check out our YouTube. It's weirdly or growing don't. in numbers. It's actually a little embarrassing, but if, you, embarrassing. if you're a hardcore fan, go watch our early days on youtube all right say your the real tagline all right be well precious kinklings be well bye